All right, well, let's go ahead and, and get started with our, our Sunday school. We're going to continue in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father and Lord, we thank you this morning for the salvation that we have through Christ Jesus. And we just um, just give you thanks because we didn't deserve your love. We weren't owed your love. Um, but you loved us. And so, Father and Lord, as we come together as a body of believers, we pray that uh, the things that we say, the things that we do, is in honor you. And so, Father... As we study your word, um, it's our goal to do the same thing, to study it in truth, with discernment, and and just looking at uh, what it is that you've told us and what it is you'd have us to learn. And so, Father, give us wisdom and discernment as we open up these scriptures. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 6. We got into the first couple verses last week, and... uh, um, just keep in mind as we're going over what we're going over here. Yes, if you look at your outline, I only expect to get through two verses today. Um, and I had hoped to actually go from verse 3 to verse 11 because they go together. But there's just no way. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But just keep in mind as a believer, um, as a Christian, whenever we think of being saved, we're saved, we're justified by faith without works. It's a gift of God. And so because of all that, remember, it may take us a couple of months to go through these these um, um, these epistles or this epistle of Roman. It may take us a couple of months. But remember, this is one letter, one epistle. Paul has already written to, to this group and he's already proven. Go back to Romans 5, look at verse 1. Romans 5, 1. If you're in Rome, you're, this is fresh in your memory that you are, Romans 5.1, justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you drop down to verse 15 and 16, we see that it's a gift, a gift that God has given you. So keep those in mind fresh as we continue in this study of chapter 6, and that is... Um, um, this idea, he continues with identification. Um, but in verses 1 and 2, keep in mind he was dealing with that question. Paul asked a couple different questions in this chapter. This question here, he says, shall we continue in sin? That's what he's asking. And that's what he's answering. <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, what shall we say then? Question mark. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, he answers that pretty straightforwardly in that next verse, doesn't he? He basically screams and he exclaims, no, of course we don't continue in sin. Uh, Teach on the idea of the fact that you have been identified with Christ. He's going to go into some aspects of your identification that uh, um, some things can be hard to understand, but really it's, it's of vital importance to understand. People wonder, can you have a victorious sin? Well, we are sinners. I mean, positionally we're not. Um, we live in a world of sin. But when you truly understand how Romans 6, Romans 7, and Romans 8, Romans 8, what it's talking about, you can have victory over this. Um, so if you've got an issue with pornography, if you've got an issue with drinking, if you've got an issue with anger, if you've got an issue with pride, if you've got an issue with all of these things, guess what? Understanding what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 6, especially through 8, is, is, is really giving you an understanding. So, so whenever he says, no, that we shall not continue in sin, he says that we are dead to sin. That's what he says pretty simple answer, but I don't know about you, but I know especially whenever I was a new, told myself I'm dead to sin, now all of a sudden I'm not going to be subject to the lusts of the world. How does that work? Verses 3 through 11 is that explanation. That's what, that's what, that's why I wish that um, um, I could, you know, speak as um, as well as the scriptures write it, I used to go over. So, 
So anyway, that's, uh, that's the situation in, in Romans chapter 6, um, verses 3 through 11, but I expect to only get through verse 4. Let's read verses 3 through 4 uh, and um, look at our text. So he says, uh, Know you not? Again, the question is, shall we continue in sin? And he says, no, you're dead to sin. And then he says, know you not? That so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should walk in the newness of life. Now, notice verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of a death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we see here we're in the past where it talks about were baptized. So understand as a believer, you were baptized into his death. That's done. That's over with. If you haven't been baptized into his death, that means you're not a Christian per se. That means you're not saved. That means you're not a believer. And so notice this is, is a, a were thing. You are, it is accomplished, done, over with. And then in verse 5, verse, uh, verse, verse 5 is talking. Positionally, you've been justified by his resurrection. But guess what you still have today? This thing called your body that one day you won't have. One day you're going to receive the adoption of that new body. In the likeness of his resurrection, we are going to be raised again, and we are going to have a body like his, uncorruptible. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting. One day we're, we're not going to have to worry about the aches and the pains and all these things. And so here in these verses we see that we have these three different aspects, this past, the present, and the future. And it's important to understand these things. And we know this partly because Paul's wording here. Notice how he says, Know ye not. Uh, I, I don't know the Apostle Paul personally beyond the text of Scriptures, but you can almost, he's pointing out, like you might talk to somebody else, you know, well, don't you know? You know? And so he's saying to the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, of course not. How shall we, verse 2, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death? This understanding that Paul is getting ready to give, unfortunately, um, even though it's a basic understanding, uh, whether it's now or then, um, many people the most basic of understandings that Paul's getting ready to talk about. The first reference on your thing, he has to give the Corinthians milk instead of meat. Um, there are things that um, you know may seem advanced in, in, in theology, and they sometimes can be difficult. But understand that the point is not to stay on milk. It's to graduate from the milk to the meat. Why? Is it just so that you can have a diploma on the wall? Of course not. And so the brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able and so in Paul's day and even in today's day, many people don't understand this basic concept of identification and how important that is. And as we're getting ready to see, this gets into the idea of baptism, water baptism, spirit. And you don't understand these questions, you're going to, obviously, you're going to do things the wrong way. And so as a, as a believer, one of the reasons why I recommend uh, and was advised myself. It wasn't like I figured this out. Uh, the Romans being the most important book that a new believer read is, is because it takes you from the fact that you are a sinner, that you can have salvation by faith, you're justified completely by faith, and you are now identified with Christ. Understanding that whole gamut of things. Your identification is the reason why you're saved today, and if you sin tonight, you're still saved tomorrow because of your identification. 
your identification is the reason why you can have victory over sin in this side of heaven because of identification. Um, in Christ, if you are in Christ, that means you are dead. And that's what Paul is teaching here, is that you, Don Hosfeld, are dead. And he's going to talk about later, he's going to talk about dead to the law, but right now he's talking about dead to sin. I'm dead. If I reckon myself, look down here in verse 8, <clears throat> drop on down here. The reason why we are dead and we need to understand ourselves as dead is so that Christ may live in us. Look at verse 8. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. In other words, eradicated. Think of that that way. Eradicated. You know, I hate to bring in something. Um, that's what this is talking about. That it can be eradicated from you. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. Tom, is your mic on? I don't hear much anything coming out of the speakers. Yeah, it's on, but um, is it? Okay, it just might be turned down. But of course, this is giving me problems. There we go. All right. Is it coming through? Oh, yeah, I can hear it. Okay. Okay. All right, do we need to start over? No. Okay. (laughs) Galatians. So, what's he saying here? He's saying, I'm dead, but I live. How does that work? He says, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Those aren't just fancy words of being dedicated to Jesus. You know, oh, I want to live for Jesus. That's not what this is. This is talking about the fact that Paul understands the same thing that we can understand is that we need to reckon our my life dead. You want to know the way that you can have victory over, over sin? It's if I'm good. What Paul is talking about here is the idea that I am dead and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives. And identification, as we're going to explain here, Paul's going to attribute this all back to, to baptism the baptism that really matters for the body of Christ, the one baptism that really matters. He says, if we be dead, in verse verse 4 there, you know, um, he talks about this whole idea that if we be dead, then that life is dead. And, and, and understand it in that sense. If we are dead to sin as we obviously want to be, who want... Does anybody here still want to be held accountable for your sin? No, I, I don't think so. You want to be dead to sin, right? You, you, you rejoice in the fact that you're dead to sin. We need to walk in that newness. Um, as it says here, we shall also... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong verse here. We should also walk in the newness of life. That newness of life there isn't... Again, some people, I think, they misunderstand that. Yes, it has to do with that new creation, but keep in mind that new creation is both you in Christ and Christ in you. The mystery is that hope of glory is Christ in you. We are in the body of Christ, but ultimately understand that Christ is also in you because he is now, or the Holy Spirit, so as many, verse verse 3. says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized. Um, and the reason we see this as an important thing is because it's not everybody that can claim this. It's only those who were baptized. Um, so do we here at Grace Bible Fellowship believe in baptism? You betcha. Yeah. Yes. Because I can promise you, if you weren't baptized into Christ, you're still an Adam. And and that's that's. Oh, so now baptism just took on a big deal, didn't it? That's how big of a deal baptism is. And so... Um, Can I ask something? Yeah. 
Do you mean man's water baptism, like after you're saved? Is that what you're saying? No. That have to be baptized? Or are you saying Christ baptism, which I read in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 12, yeah. which we're going to get there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, you're not saying, man. You're not saying you're going to baptize me after I get saved. No, oh, okay. I, I promise okay. you. You don't need so many drunks to come to this church. So, okay. Yeah. No. Uh, but understand what the case I'm making here is, is you have to be baptized. So you better ask your question, question what baptism is it? Your question is exactly right. What baptism is, is necessary here? Because he says, so as many were baptized have this. And so that's how important this is. So this is applied to those um, who are baptized, which is why I started off this study is, is what did Paul already show in, in uh, uh, Romans, especially 3 through 5? We looked at chapter 5, verse 1. You were justified by faith. The baptism here that he's talking about here um, is not the water baptism. And to be honest with you, adding water to this baptism is, is not only problematic, um, it's not only wrong, it's dangerous. It's works. It's works. Um, but understand, the main thing to, to really keep in mind here is, is there are a lot of churches that when you get water baptized, the pastor brought you up and he compared it to what's going on in Romans chapter 6. But if you add water to this, it's doctrinally incorrect because it's just not what's talked about here. Um, and so therefore it's wrong, but it's very, very dangerous because this baptism is required for salvation. And even the churches out there that teach water baptism isn't required for salvation. Um, even the ones that don't believe it's required for salvation um, need to understand that this is saying you do have to be baptized. Your identification hinges on you being baptized so you better get it right, which we're going to talk about here. Uh, this here, then you, whether you want to or not, whether you agree that that's your purpose or not, the fact of the matter is, is you are making water necessary for salvation. Make sure you understand that. If you've got a question on that, stop me. Okay. Yep. Um, so where did the churches that... Uh, preach or their doctrine is that baptism is only an outward display of your salvation. Part of it comes from this. Right. I understand that. But where do they fit in terms of it being, um, you know, counterproductive or, or part of the deal? Because, like, the Bible, for example, we've added in things like titles and names and numbers and verses and that sort of thing to identification as an outward display, a public display of... No, the same can't be said. Adding chapters and verses, which doesn't affect doctrine, is, is different than the idea of saying, God said that you have to be baptized, therefore we better figure out what he means by baptism and what type of baptism he's talking about. When you go in scripture, there's over 12 different baptisms. You go to, you go to Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 1 alone. You go back to, to Luke, oh, and we're going to see these. I'm, and so, yeah. so you have to get the right one. I'm not disputing that you're correct about the correct baptism <laughs> for us as rightly divided Christians. Sure. What I'm saying is that I don't, I guess I, I just wonder where that fits in, because a lot of people believe in that. Yeah. yeah. And they've, um, you know, so a lot of people believe, and it has probably brought a lot of people to Christianity, is the whole thing well that was the idea of it or at least that's how it was presented to me because i was immersed i was fully immersed baptized sure makes and people feel good I, I right the majority of people in here were water baptized mm -hmm. uh, and i mean it obviously is not part of salvation and now that we are in the word and knowledgeable we know that it shouldn't occur but at least my personal view is it really doesn't hurt anything what happened in the past if you weren't knowledgeable at the time, if you weren't didn't understand rightly divided and you didn't understand the scriptures, it it doesn't hurt anything. No, it doesn't well, listen, we don't we don't live in the past as Christians. 
Even as a Christian, I've done things. I've learned things. The question is, ultimately, what is the truth? And so as we go from there, I'll continue to answer your question, but I first want to let, let Val say something. Even those churches that say it's an act of your, uh, outward act of your inward expression, um, and don't say it's required for salvation, you then hear people like the first act of obedience to Christ, and that if you don't, you're probably not a believer. And so it can be very detrimental to people who, you know, have it. And then also churches have waned away from it not being important to mixing it and just doing baptism without even questioning someone's salvation or, or getting a testimony from them. I've seen that in churches today. The thing is, there's so many variations of different belief systems out there. And whenever I said that from the very beginning, when Paul says, know ye not, how it's almost like he's saying, you know, don't you realize? You know, part of the reasons why today people don't understand identification is because churches are water baptizing. Because they're watering down. Any of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Do you think that it's vital that you're baptized into his death? Let me give you a hint. Yes. If you weren't baptized into his death, then you were not baptized into his life. So So he's saying that we were all baptized in water, but really we were baptized in his death? No, water baptized into Jesus Christ. Is this teaching water is the question. And and, and we'll talk about, and I'm going to explain this as we go, but understand that if you aren't baptized... By what God says, the way God says, you know, you can't, if God says you need, well, go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Let's, let's get that out of the way, and then we'll make this case. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. What body is that? The body of Christ. The body is both a membership that we're all a part of. We are all members of one another. But that's only because we're in that. We're in Christ. So for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We've been all made made to drink into one spirit. Look at Galatians. Chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. In verse 26. I think that it will help you. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of, of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, as you think of that, now I want you to think of how the fact that you have put on His righteousness. Do you think putting on Christ is essential? Of course. It has to be done. There, there is no other avenue to salvation than for you to be baptized into Christ and that you put on Christ. Verse 26, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. What do you think that tells you? That tells you that for you to be baptized into Christ, it's by faith, it's not... The word baptized... Mm-hmm all throughout the Bible obviously has different meanings, so was there a different root word for that? Because no. I was always thought that that meant immersion. Um, yes and no. Immersion is a very simplistic word. Baptize is a transliteration, which is just a fancy word saying that it's not translated. Um, it was basically taken from the Greek and just um, yes, uh, used in English. Um, and so the word itself has to do and always has had to do with identification. Um, there are all kinds of baptisms, at least 12 different baptisms. I told you before, uh, even your notes here, he's going to, well, as we're going to talk about here, is he's, he's baptized with water and then he's baptized with death. He's identified with death. Baptism is always identification. It, the, the, the concept is used of cloth that, that is dyed. Now, is it immersed? Yes. Because the idea is a 
complete change. You have all these arguments of water baptism, whether or not you should be sprinkled or immersed, whenever they've actually lost sight of the whole thing. The whole thing has to do with your identification. Water baptism only had to do with the nation of Israel. It didn't start until the nation of Israel. It has nothing to do with an outward sign of an... But when you begin to... Is it necessary? But Romans 6 says baptism is necessary. Where's the... There's huge danger in this. There is an enormous danger of telling somebody that water baptism is what Romans 6 is talking about. Yeah, okay, that might be it. That baptism is necessary. It depends on what definition you assign to it. Which is why I was saying baptism is absolutely necessary. Water baptism, if you walk out here and you went and got water baptized, it ain't going to change a thing. You might need a towel. That's that's it. And the scripture doesn't identify the meaning as water. Because if you look at Matthew 3, it it uses it as an adverb. Like, I baptize with water. Right. That would be like saying it twice. You know what I mean? And so that's why they come up with immersion. And you have these arguments. That's because they assume that baptism has to do with water every time. There's baptism with fire. There's baptism with death. The children of Israel were baptized unto Moses back in Exodus. You have, I think it's 1 Peter 2 or 1 Peter 3, unless it's 2 Peter. It's either 1 or 2 Peter. And he talks about um, that judgment that took place with Noah is is a type. and, And the big problem, again... And this is this is why it's an, this is why it's an issue. Look, I don't go around telling churches that the baptized, oh, you're just so bad. But I do tell Christians that we don't water baptize, um, and the reason for that is is because what you need to understand is Romans six. You need to understand that your baptism is literally. Well, let's look at how that happens real quick. Go to Ephesians chapter one. So we read First Corinthians. 12, we read Galatians chapter 3, that you're baptized and that it's a must. When does this take place? Does it take place whenever you show up to church and go into the baptismal? No. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom, whom is capitalized, it's talking about Christ, in whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the relieved. The moment you believe, not the moment you believed and then went to church and you had a baptismal service. The moment you believed. If you heard it, if you if you heard some televangelist who, who preaches the, the wrong stuff, but you heard the right gospel and you believe, it happened like that. It's, it's that instantaneous. That's when that baptism happens. It happens by faith, not of works, and it happens the moment that you believe, at the moment you put your faith and trust in Christ. That is today the essential baptism that must, must take place. So I know I must have created some more questions or comments. And so understand that The dangers of preaching water baptism is, one, anytime we add to the Word of God, you're already walking on thin ice, which is why one of the things I stress to you over and over and over again, you can can take my advice or not take my advice. I'm just telling you as somebody who's been a student of the Word of God that um, I want to be vague where God is vague and specific where God is specific. If God has been specific about it, don't be vague. If God says that you have to be baptized and it has to be the spirit baptism, don't be vague about that. Be specific about that. Just like you would be specific to your children how it is, how to get out of that house that's on fire, right? You're not going to give them vague instructions. The house is on fire. Go do this. Are you going to be vague about that? Of course not. But also the same thing is true. Don't be specific where God is vague. And when you understand these these concepts. So many churches that teach right doctrine, they violate these principles, and every time that man does, who think they're saved because they got dipped in water. And they're what not. Did, what did God say? Hmm? What did God say to be saved? Just like we were saying here. What God said. you got to believe. That's right. If you don't believe, you're not saved. That's right. And if you believe, you're going to try to do His will. Yeah. That's 
That's just all in a nutshell. I don't care what you say, what any preacher says, or what anybody else says. It's what God said. Just make sure you understand what he told you to do. Yeah. Because because he no told argument. somebody else to do it doesn't mean he's telling you to do it. There's no argument so, about it. Yeah. But you gotta believe the right gospel, first yep. Corinthians fifteen, one through four. That's right. Tim. Yeah, the the longer and the more I get into rightly dividing and get brought up in Baptist church, um, you know, John the Baptist baptized people. That's what everybody did. And uh, but now it's Hey, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, right? Right. And so uh you but now it's so clear that yes. it's two completely different programs and the more you're in the word and you study, the, the clearer it becomes. And it's just like, you know, why why is the blindness all over, you know, the people who are otherwise great preachers, studiers of the word, but you know, they just don't get it. Why do you think Paul constantly warns about sound doctrine? It, this, that, I don't preach that. Because it's just important to me. Ephesians and Exodus, uh, Exodus in, in um, Acts chapter 20, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus are all about sound doctrine. Why? Because people have, are going to listen to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. They're going to have seducing ears and, and all these kind of things. Uh, itching ears, I said that wrong. And so that's why your safe ground is to say, well, what does this say? Now, with all that said, if you were water baptized... It's not like you, you have some star of David that you're walking around on, like you did something wrong. That's, that's not the point. The, how many, so. You mean like, some, like a Catholic that got baptized as a baby and then thinks they're good to go? Because an adult wouldn't get baptized unless they had a belief, right? Oh, no. I think there's a lot of people that, yeah. that, um, that get baptized and don't really have a belief. I, I'm not going to name names, but you can talk to me after, after service, and I'll be happy to tell you one-on-one that uh, Val and I um, can tell you the names of, of people who uh, go to a church, the pastor doesn't teach them, make sure that they understand, but then water baptizes them. And I can give you names. They don't, they don't have, they don't have a, you know, a, a, an interview, a counseling session to say, now, if you're doing this, you understand 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. They don't do that. And so... It, a lot of people get water baptized. <clears throat> but, but understand my point here is, is not to condemn others, but to remind you that baptism is necessary. The baptism is required, which is a spiritual baptism. And what that does, because when we dilute um, the true baptism and change it into something else, don't understand that you've now identified with a dead person, a person that's been buried. You know, one of the interesting things about chapter 6, 7, and 8 of Romans is in chapter 6, he's going to talk about the fact that we've died with Christ. Chapter 7 is going to talk about the burial with Christ. And chapter 8 is going to talk about the life of Christ. Hmm. Death, burial, resurrection. What a coincidence. You see what I mean? These things matter. They're important. It's not just a matter of, you know, can't we all just get along kind of a thing. These things do matter. But the means and the, the, what they matter is, is they need to matter for you. There's some other things I want to get to here. And, and one of the things I put here in your outline is, is that what Paul is describing here, this identification, even though identification has been around from the beginning, has been around, Israel being baptized with water was to identify themselves as clean. Because the water signified that right from the beginning with the priesthood. I want you to look at something. Look at go back to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight, verse five. So Paul is teaching this identification in this baptism in a way that's never been taught before. How baptism, um, how baptism works. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. 
So Philip was one care of certain things. So they tell the people uh, to select seven men. Stephen was one of them. Stephen was stoned. Um, Philip was one of them. Philip goes down to Samaria and he begins to preach Christ unto them. All right. Drop down to verse 12. He says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Now, whoa, now we better figure out what this baptism is, huh? Because if you don't understand identification, if you don't understand baptism, you may think what takes place here is what we just got done talking about. But guess what? It don't. And you can tell that from the text. Let's keep reading. Then Simon himself... Oh, wait, did I skip something? No. Where, where no, am I at there? 13. Let me find my notes here. Yeah, 13. Um, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now the apostles... Now, again, we may think, but if you don't pay attention to the text here, this isn't just because so Peter and John can, can um, you know, they're better teachers than Philip. It's not what this is about. This has to do with the kingdom. This has to do with kingdom authority. This has to do with the authority that Peter and John have. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them. What does that say for? Well, wait a minute. We just read Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 says that when you believe, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This says that they believed Philip's preaching. They were water baptized. But guess what they didn't get? The Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. For as of yet, he was fallen upon... Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So what you see here is belief, baptism, no Holy Ghost. We already know that's not like ours. Now I want you to jump up to Acts chapter 10. Before you go, can I ask something? Mm -hmm. That's kingdom gospel though, right? Yes. Belief mm -hmm. in the name, nothing about the resurrection, because he wasn't dead and raised. That's kingdom stuff, yeah. So it's a whole, okay. Just, right? So Acts chapter 10, verse 44 is where I want to pick up it. So we were in Acts 8, verse 44. This was a Gentile. God convinced him to go. Verse 44, while Peter yet spoke these words, talking about that, about that believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also were poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For when they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter said, can any man forbid water? Now, so now let's, let's see what happens in this situation. Is it the same as Acts 8? No, it wasn't the same as Acts 8. Here we have a situation of they hear Jesus, hear about Jesus, they believe, and all of a sudden something happens that Peter and the rest of them did not understand take place. Something they didn't understand. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on him, and Peter's like, well, who can forbid water? So let's water baptism. Let's water baptize. Now, Acts 8, we saw what happened there. Acts 10, we saw what happened here. Now, did something significant happen? Did something significant happen? That should be your first question. What happened between Acts 8 and Acts chapter 9? Or I'm sorry, between Acts 8 and Acts 10. Well, Acts chapter 9 took place. And this is why Paul says, go to 1 Timothy. This is why Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy. Now, when we were in this study, I stopped you, and I'm going to stop you now. Paul is getting ready to tell you why he was saved. Understand that. This is why I receive mercy. That in me first, Jesus might show forth all long suffering for a pattern. Paul, there's a reason why 
you see what happens in, in Acts chapter 8, and then what happens in Acts chapter 10, and there's something that took place in Acts chapter 9. And that's because God started a brand new program. God started to do something brand new, which means that God wasn't doing it the old way anymore. So what was the old way that you had to go through the nation of Israel, you had to be water baptized, that was the method. Now all of a sudden, God God brings salvation on people, just like we saw with Cornelius at the moment that he believed. And Paul says, I was saved to bring forth this message. I was saved to be this minister as this pattern. And so, yes, what happens between Acts 8 and Acts, Acts 10? That's what happens. And I'm out of time. We'll go, in, go into some more stuff the rest of your handout next week. But um, comments, um, any more? Um, Derek, I mean, seriously, any other, any other comments on, um, on, on any of that? I want to make sure that, that we understand uh, and that you understand really what I'm trying to say. That's what I guess what I'm saying. No, it, it cleared um, with regards, and I agree with it. As I said, I was playing the advocate, and um, my the parallel I was drawing between you know our numbering and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, allowing for better study of the Bible um, was only maybe it wasn't the best choice or the best example, but it becomes a matter of interpretation. Mm-hmm. And if you're not interpreting it correctly, then you're misleading people. And mm-hmm. I understand that. And I wasn't going to the point of addressing people who uh, weren't actually saved because they only believed in the baptism aspect right. of it. I was talking about people that believe this, but use that baptism as an outward display. And I just didn't see the harm in that. The, the harm I, isn't to them. <clears throat> The harm is that it is an incorrect interpretation of, as you said, you have done that. Mm-hmm. The Bible is canonized. It's been selected mm-hmm. by very knowing people and caring and spiritual people. But um, it has been not altered, but there is interpretation here. Uh, translations are different, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. And you could go on, and you're better at that, or you know more about that than I do. But that was what I was struggling with. Sure. You answered the question when you said that it's a matter of... Uh, definition. Definition, correct. Yeah, keep in mind that somebody who is saved, we define saved as believe the gospel of their salvation, death, burial, and resurrection for their sin. They've been baptized into Christ. They're part of the, the body of Christ. Somebody who is saved, <laughs> if they then go get water baptism, it doesn't undo anything. It doesn't undo that. Um, the problem then is, is do they truly understand what Romans 6 is trying to get across here? Romans 6 is trying to get across that, that actually, no, that the idea is that you literally, Don Hosfeld died, and I'm no longer alive. I was baptized into Christ's death. Christ, Christ died. You're going to try and do things the wrong way, and there's going to be ramifications. The other ramification that is obviously very huge is those who are led into a wrong belief on how baptism works, why it's important. I did a, I did a, a message, I don't know how long ago, it was here, and I talked about the butterfly effect. You guys know what the butterfly effect is? Well, the butterfly effect is, 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 as it relates to doctrine, is, is one small change, one small variation. Don't think that there aren't ripples. Don't think that there isn't an effect. And that's why I, I have that personal conviction. Vague where God is vague, specific where God is specific. Does that mean sometimes that, you know, you know I can't teach you guys maybe some of my personal thoughts? I can't teach it to you as, as, as assertively? Of course I can't, because the Bible's not specific on it. So, George, you had your hand up, didn't you? You answered. Oh. I'm, I'm, Katie did, too. <laughs> Who did? Katie. Oh, Katie did. Okay. I was just wondering, baptism then is a personal thing rather than a public thing? Very much so. Yeah. Again, the, the sad thing is his good intentions. You've heard me say it before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of people going to hell with good intentions by others. Um, is good intention is this, this outward demonstration of your love for Christ. The Bible doesn't ask you to do it that way. The Bible says, if you love me, go do this. Go share the gospel. Go support missions. Go support evangelism. Go support the local church. Go become a pastor. Go be- do this. But he doesn't ask us to do that. Probably a good reason why. 
<laughs> yes. If the water baptism was meant for Jews, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I really recall that a lot in the Old Testament other than John the Baptist coming along. I remember the priest being washed, but I don't recall that being something that was really... And that's why. That's coming after him. And what was that message? That message was, is the Messiah is here. Why was the Messiah coming? To build the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand was the whole message. And when John the Baptist began to water baptize and the Pharisees came and the Sadducees came, they didn't ask him what this baptism was. They asked him who he was. And there's, that's significant. Are you Elijah? Why? Because the scripture said, are you the Christ? Because the scripture said that that was going to take place. Water baptism was prophesied for the whole nation of Israel. Why? Because the whole nation of Israel was supposed to be a kingdom east to the rest of the world. So what was just for the Levites, the moment that the law came into place, the moment that the priesthood started, guess what the first thing done was? Moses, take up Aaron and his sons to the mountain and water baptize them. Now, I don't use that word because I didn't have the baptism. That's a Greek word. But take them up, wash them with water. And every priest after that, wash them with water. And so from then on, Matter of fact, they had to baptize themselves every day before they could walk into the temple and everything. So water baptism, the way we think of it, isn't big in the Old Testament, but it's there for every single priest, every single day, for every single event that they have to do. And then John the Baptist comes and he prepares that nation to prepare them to go into the kingdom because when when that kingdom begins... Whenever the seven-year tribulation is over with and the Lord Jesus comes back, he's going to be busy. He's going to be busy. He's going to sit down on his throne. He's going to have the sheep on one side, the goats on the other side. The whole point is to see who gets to go in the kingdom. And guess what every Jew that is going to be? Priests to the Gentiles. And the only way they get there is one through faith in him, but also in the righteousness that's going to take place. So, Yeah, the other thing... Um... 600 years elapsed before the the start of the Gospel of Matthew. So God was silent for 600 years. So just for the sake of argument, say that six generations of people that have been born and died. So for then, they're just taught what the priests are teaching, you know, about, you know, sacrifice and everything. And then for then, for John the Baptist to come on the scene and say, you know, you know, be water baptized, it's like, whoa, no, no, that's that's just for the priest. It, it, that was almost like a, a mini dispensational change for, you know, for Israel at that time. And thinking about the it, law, yeah, it uh, that was a radical change, and I think that's why there's so much discussion. Uh, in the Gospels about that type of baptism because it was a huge change for them. I mean, think about it. Um, it's not like they had the completed Bible at their disposal during that 600 years. It, it was still in transition and God was basically punishing the nation of Israel during that time by his silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, just understand that God's revelation has been progressive over time. Um, Jim is exactly right. Um, believe the gospel, be saved, and then do what God has, has told you to do. You just need to make sure that it's what he told you to do. That's the key. It doesn't do me any good, and it does not glorify God if I do what he told somebody else to do. Yeah, what God tells you to do through his word. Right, and so well, and that's a big, big, yeah. big, big point, is, is, is making sure we understand this whole thing is for us. The whole thing is for you. Every single bit of it. But not every part of it is to you. Not all of it is written to you. It's for you. You can learn from it. There's things that you can grasp. But when you want to know exactly what God said to you, then you better read what 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 the apostle the Gentiles said, because he's the one that was given that ministry so that you knew this newest revelation. You had revelations that were before, and then you've got the revelation that's today. And that baptism is part of that, that's for sure. So, All right. Yep, no, go ahead. It's one of the dangers also uh, mixing 
law with grace. You just can't do it. Right. And when I come to understand about this a little bit more through one of our studies, I had to examine my heart and I realized that I felt proud and pride when I'd done that, mm -hmm. as I had done something. Same thing with tithing. Yep. And to me, that's a big danger. It is. But I didn't even recognize it until it was exposed, you know, through God's Word. And that's such a discerning point, Monique. And, and um, this is why the, there's a I shouldn't say this is why. This is one of the major differences between this day of grace and the day of law before. Jews got caught up in doing a law, a law that in itself is good. But this is why we've spent the last few weeks talking about was the purpose of the law so that you could feel good about yourself? No. It's supposed to do the exact opposite. And so what happens when we start to bring in law into the grace period and we start feeling good because I tithe? You miss the whole point of the law. You can't bring the law into here. It's not for here. The things that we do have nothing to do with based upon that. We do it because we're reckoned dead to ourselves and we're alive unto Christ. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. And so, yes, you're exactly right. When we start to try to do the things of the law that, that we're meant to basically show you're guilty. Then, then we lose we lose the whole point. So that's a good point. Oh. When your when your identification isn't in Christ, then it is truly fixed on the law. If you think about it, the things that you do daily in your life, you're trying to do. If you see yourself in Christ and, and who you are in Christ, your focus is on Him, and transformation happens. And that's, that's really what's talked about here is the idea that if you want to transform life, because that's what this is talking about, should we continue in sin? I don't think anybody here wants to continue in sin, do you? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean when you're thinking right. Not that sin doesn't have a draw. Different, a different context. There. Do you still want to be in, um, I guess, the, the best, the better way to do it. Do you still want to be a sinner? Because you know what comes to sinners? Do you want, do you want that accountability? Right. You know, the wages of sin is death, period. End of story. Do you want, it, do you want sin if you know that it, the, the wages is death? Well, a discerning person would say, no, I may have a draw to that thing, but that's the flesh. But the spirit should tell you, no, I don't want that. Well, this is describing what Val is talking about here. This is talking about, you know, that's why some people, whenever they give you an outline of Romans 6, they outline it as sanctification. Um, I don't do that because, as I've told you before, that, that in itself becomes misleading because you are sanctified in Christ, but you do need to sanctify yourself, meaning set yourself apart, which is that whole point. Reckon yourself dead to sin. That's what that's for part, so... Also, yeah. we're men, have, just like Paul said, we've um, followed the traditions of men and kind of like blindly the blind. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we went a little late, but thank you. That's that's always fun.